In this week's episode, I'm joined by Dr. Paul Spradley, Vice President of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion at Dollar Bank. This week, our conversation is about recovery-friendly workplaces, the first universally accessible park, and more. Hey there, my name is Bernadette Smith. Welcome to Five Things in 15 Minutes, my weekly show where I bring good vibes to DEI. That is good vibes to diversity, equity, and inclusion with a little dash of corporate social responsibility. What I've found is that there are lots of news stories about what's going wrong in the world and lots of negative data, but there are also a lot of things going right. That's what I like to focus on. I search for DEI stories that we can be inspired by and learn from. My hope is to inspire you to experiment with some of these inclusive actions and policies within your own organization to help you build a more inclusive world. Let's get started. Paul, will you please introduce yourself? Hi, thanks so much for having me, Bernadette. I've been wanting to be on your show since we first met, and so it is an honor. I'm excited. I love your energy. So yeah, a little bit about me. I'm, I'm Dr. Paul Spradley from Pittsburgh. I am the head of diversity, equity, inclusion for Dollar Bank. Dollar Bank is located, is headquartered in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, but we have uh, space in uh, Ohio, uh, near Cleveland and Canton area. We have some space in Hampton Roads, Virginia, and a little bit with a bank acquisition in, in some upper parts of Maryland. And I'm responsible for trying to make the work of DEI happen across all of our markets. Uh, and so, for what I've, for me, what I've tried to do is put it into four buckets: workplace, workforce, marketplace, and responsibility. And so, it's thinking about work workplaces. I'm sorry, workforce who's coming into the organization, workplaces, once they're here, how are folks feeling? How are they getting engaged? Are they taking advantage of joining our employee resource groups? Marketplace is, is thinking about our brand and external and what we're doing, uh, partnering with community development, partnering with our marketing department, folks that have an external uh, look at the organization and ways that we can bring in more diverse customers. And then responsibility really is around, uh, it's, it's putting all these things into practice and saying, here's what we can do from a policy perspective. Here's what this looks like from a leadership perspective. Here's what we need from our board. Uh, so responsibility is the, is the overarching really push behind a lot of these things. And so the work falls in these buckets and I enjoy doing it. And then outside of work, I, I'm a regular guy that likes to have fun. All right. Well, I really enjoyed our conversation when we met a few months ago, and I'm, I'm really excited to have you. And what I love is that at your at your bank and your position, you're able to really focus on a holistic approach to DEI. You're not just focused on, on HR, which seems to be sort of the go-to. But I also think that banks are uniquely positioned to create greater equity, right? They are in positions to, to in, reinvest in underdeveloped communities, under-resourced communities. And I love that that's, that's really part of what your role involves as well. What are some of the initiatives that you're excited about or that you're proud of right now? Yeah, so the one thing that comes to mind, uh, because it's, it's fairly new, is something that we're doing to work with our uh, transient and refugee population. So Pittsburgh, believe it or not, has refugees coming in from so many different places, uh, from Somalia, from Rwanda, we have an, a, a Bhutanese population that is growing. So, and once they are here, they are supported by different uh, nonprofit groups. But it's oftentimes 
very challenging to get into the banking space because you don't have documentation that has been historically necessary. And so what we are doing is we're partnering with these community organizations and allowing them to operate as the bridge, as the as the connection, uh, as the sort of the, the central commonplace. And, and, and we're, we're getting folks who were historically underbanked uh, by large margins much more into the banking space where they will now be able to safely have a checking and a savings account. And we do that in ways, you know, one of the things we try to provide across the board is inclusive banking. And so we have checking accounts where there's not overdraft fees and things like that, because we understand uh, that there are folks that have different situations, different life situations. And so I think that's one of the projects that I'm excited about. Um, another project is we are, you know, employee resource groups, we call them employee resource networks within the organization. They are picking up momentum. Uh, so the role is fairly new still at the bank, but we're picking up some momentum uh, from a programmatic perspective, having some great success uh, with some of our things like supplier diversity, which is a, you know something that everyone has access to, but we are trying to lean into it a little bit more uh, intentionally now. That's great. You know, supplier diversity is one of those things that can be very much easier said than done, especially for large companies with owners, master service agreements. I can speak from my perspective as a business owner trying to do business in the supplier diversity space, and it's challenging. And I really love that you're leaning into that. And that refugee program, wow, that is amazing. I haven't heard of that happening anywhere. I might have to actually get some more details on that and include it in an upcoming five things newsletter <laughs> because that would be great. Yeah. So one of the things is uh, for a long time, there's been a lot of um, the, the, the folks that govern banks will say, well, it's risky to lend to refugees because they, they may be transient. They may not have a permanent address uh, and so forth, but we're in a, a day and age where uh, we are seeing uh, migrants. We're seeing refugees move into places like Pittsburgh, like Chicago, and not only building a threat, becoming a part of the community in, in very meaningful ways, but uh, helping the community grow in, in many different ways. Uh, the, the economy, the dollar that um, a, a person from the refugee community is bringing in and how that both sits in the community and it then helps the broader community as well. So it's just a, it's a it, we're taking an old practice and giving it a new look. I love it. I love it. All right. Well, that's really inspiring to me, Paul. So thank you so much for sharing that story. And I will definitely get more details to shout out in an upcoming newsletter. Um, so one thing I just wanted to to share before we get into the five things this week is that in response to last week's five things, there was a, a story in last week's five things about conventions canceling in Florida as a response to the anti-LGBTQ legislation happening there. I received a, a letter from a, a reader who works in the hospitality industry, and she was very articulate. So I'm just going to read part of that here. I fully understand the need for companies and people to take a stand. And often pulling away publicly from these communities is one big way to do that. However, while this could have a negative backlash on DeSantis in Florida eventually, it also has an immediate impact on the people working in the tourism industry in those communities, often those we are trying to support through DEI work, like women, people of color, LGBTQ+. It's not a hotel owner or management company that is hurt by a meeting pulling out, but a housekeeper who is told their hours are being cut or a waiter at a hotel restaurant who might lose their job entirely if business is down. 
It's the everyday hardworking people in that community that are hurt first. Perhaps the long-term effect is worth it, but we shouldn't dismiss the very real immediate impacts as well. Mm. Whew. I think that yeah. it was so well said and I agree. And it, you know, last week's theme was yes. And, and it's just another example of yes. And Paul, what do you have to say about this? Uh, this re response I got. Uh, so I, I think I'm, I, I'm landing with you. I, I do agree um, that one of the things about DE&I is that it is not it is not just about one person. Right now, there's one person who is has this trickle down impact uh, in the state of Florida, and so the the immediate response is to let's do this thing for this one person. But this person is now connected to all these different. So really, one of the things that I you know when I when as a consultant and even here in the space as a DEI leader, I, I try to teach that we're all connected, uh, and that this idea that the impact of on one does also has an impact on the other. Uh, I think the the writer of that response made an excellent point about helping us understand who is on the other end, the receiving end of, of an action, of a social justice action. One of the things that I would, like if I were working with that person, I would want to encourage your organization to then do, like the, the, the opportunity right here is that there could be multiple people, including uh, that person's organization standing up against the governor, right? Like, so if it's this one person and the community is saying, we're going to stand up versus this one person saying, we're going to do this, the community stands up. And then the organizations are saying, this is, you are hurting our business with your policies. And then what would, what could happen is that they find a, a, a place where governor DeSantis can say, here's what I want to have happened. Here's what I, I could see where you're saying you're, I'm being pressured to, to pull back on my comments. And so like there's a conversation can happen around like what is necessary to sustain business and what is just really an overreach and what that looks like for potentially the governor to dial that back. Right. Like, and, and to um, hold the views that he has without impacting so many other people like the writer yeah. uh, of that, that response. Well, that is my hope that there does uh, there that there are more companies and organizations putting that pressure on and and starting those conversations. And when they do, you'll hear about it here on Five Things. Okay, so let's move into this week's good vibes. Forty-six million Americans struggle with substance abuse disorder, but Hypertherm Associates is transforming the way American businesses address this in the workplace through the recovery friendly workplace initiative that includes that sticker on the front door cards, the list of resources in the company's restrooms and managers trained to work with employees who have, who are in recovery. So I love this. I love that it's destigmatizing addiction. Yeah. I think that um, recently with the opioid epidemic, uh, we've really been able to humanize what it means to be connected to someone who's struggling uh, with addiction because it has happened to so many um, of us. And, and, and so I, I love this as an opportunity to, to provide a sense of purpose uh, for folks uh, just by having meaningful work. Right. And, and I think that that is a fantastic uh, space, especially in a time when there are companies that are looking for workers, right? Like when they're struggling to, we just had our great resignation and, and, you know, we're on the backside of that. And, and this is a creative way to diversify your pipeline uh, while also humanizing the people that 
we oftentimes push way on the outskirts and, and otherize. Absolutely. And I think that it's important to also acknowledge just to make sure that it's, it's said um, that a lot of people who are experiencing uh, opioid addiction are white. Mm -hmm. And I, my hope is that this compassion extends to multiple kinds of substance abuse addictions. And we start to see more equity and better programs to support folks who have been victimized by the war on drugs. Absolutely. Just wanted to put that out there. Okay. UPS workers reach a tentative deal with the Teamsters, a five-year contract avoiding a potential strike by the 340,000 workers. So this includes significant wage increases, heat safety measures, and better working conditions, 30 billion new dollars on the table. And by the way, these are workers who didn't have air conditioning in their trucks in Arizona. Like this is Yes, finally. So I, I've heard uh, some interesting, almost conflicting reports that there were air conditioned systems that just weren't being used or that folks didn't know about them. I, I think either way, the fact that we're bringing this to the forefront and that there is uh, attention that's being given to workers who are who we feel is necessary. Right. Like let let the mail not come for a week. Right. Like let the things that are coming around the holidays not show up that letter that you send to, to Nana every year. Right. Like if that doesn't get there, then we started thinking differently about it. Well, how can we better protect the folks that are uh, on the front lines delivering mail for us? And so good. Good for UPS uh, for getting to this space um, where they are upping the salary, providing livable wages and livable and, and work conditions that are affirming. Right. Like right. people that want to stay. And these are, in many cases, employees from underrepresented groups as well. So, I mean, Absolutely. we want to make sure this is an equity thing. It's, it's just about making it right. Okay. The next story is about an astrology-focused tech and media company called Chani, which provides a really great primer for small companies on how to create the win-win of increased revenue and happy employees. They offer living wages starting at $80,000, seven weeks of company-wide shutdowns, a four-day work week, and stipends for personal growth, which has led to 50% annual growth in subscribers and revenue and great employee retention. So I love this as a model for smaller businesses looking to kind of create that win-win. I love the idea of a company saying, we're going to try something different. We're going to do a four-day work week. Uh, and and like we're going to have seven weeks off across the board like that for me feels innovative uh, and it is it takes it takes courage to do that. Um, but it's clearly paying off. Right. Like so I think that the folks that are listening, uh, it takes courage to take that step to do something innovative like that. But it pays off. People want to stay. They want to work. And specifically, uh, when you look at uh, millennials and Gen Z that are coming up, they would much rather. And th this is documented in different reports. Um, have a four day work week or choose the remote you know, hybrid option, right? Like, because I don't need to come in. I don't need to be here for a meeting. Like we could conduct this meeting virtually, or this could be two sentences in an email. It doesn't have to be 15 minutes of the day. Yes. And those same employees are the same buyers of this product, the same subscribers, right? And so they are really happy to subscribe and support a company that's treating its employees this way. Absolutely. Even if they don't work there themselves. Absolutely. All right. So the next story is about Taylor Swift, who gave $5.5 million in bonuses to her crew members, including $100,000 thank you gifts 
to her truckers as part of the era's tour. Are you a Swifty, Paul? I, I so I love the what happens. I think Taylor Swift is is a cultural phenomenon. And uh, one of her bodyguards was made famous on social media because, you know, he's viewing everywhere. He's looking all over and just making sure that she's safe. And so I think that uh, she's doing what a great CEO should do is recognize the entire team for their hard work. It's it was the security guard. It's the truck drivers. It's the food staff. And and she's recognized that this would not be possible if it weren't for each individual. That's part of her team. I really appreciate her maybe her mindset as a CEO, as a leader of her brand. Absolutely. And she made bank so she could afford it for sure. Yeah, she did. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The last story this week comes from Moss Universal Park, which is Wisconsin's first universally accessible park and playground in Wabatusa. It includes an 18-acre inclusive park for people of all ages and abilities, featuring accessible facilities, inclusive trails, adaptive equipment rentals, and more. I love stories like this. Yeah, that's amazing, right? Like you think about the fact that how many people have not been able to see different parts of the United States, like things that everyone talks about and takes pictures of, but I can't get there because I am differently abled, right? When I went to Italy, I remember saying to myself, there's no way that anybody outside of a person that could walk on two legs can make it up this windy cobblestone road. Like we we had a person with us that was in a, a motorized wheelchair and he was like, I'll see you all when you get back down because I can't make it up this road. And people, like this was a neighborhood. People live there. Right. So think about the access that is getting ready to open up to folks around the United States to see things for the first time that they've only seen pictures of. I think that's wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. Everyone deserves a chance to play. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, Paul, thank you so much for being a fantastic guest this week. How can folks get in touch with you? You can go to my MySpace page. <laughs> <laughs> that's a joke that only folks our age will understand. Um, no, I'm on LinkedIn, uh, Dr. Paul Spradley. And you can find me on Instagram as well. Uh, I do most of my posting on, on LinkedIn, though. And uh, I'm quick to respond. I like to engage with folks. So great. find me. Well, it has been an absolute pleasure. This week's call to action is about a book you should read called The Boldly Inclusive Leader by Minette Norman, who was on Five Things in 15 Minutes a few months ago. You can order it for release on August 8th. So go get The Boldly Inclusive Leader. Paul, thank you again for being an amazing guest. If you folks listening and watching, if you don't already get the Five Things newsletter, you can subscribe at fivethingsdei.com. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to Five Things in 15 Minutes. I hope you found yourself inspired by at least one of this week's stories. If you did, would you mind sharing it with a colleague and leaving us a review on your favorite podcasting platform? And if you don't already get my Five Things newsletter, join at fivethingsdei.com. I'm Bernadette Smith, and I'll see you next week right here for Five Things in 15 Minutes, bringing good vibes to DEI.